0: Spiritual Involution, That's our podcast. You said that pretty good. Hi <laughs> so there. This again. So welcome to the spiritual Involution. This is Katie.
1: And I'm David.
0: And we're trying this on the phone, so sorry for the thirty seconds of confusion earlier.
1: <laughs> but we never well, know.
0: We never know what we're doing. But now we. No, know. we
1: we don't really, and we're among friends who are typically very forgiving typically yes
0: <laughs> so i So how to do- you
1: you you were on a vacation you were on a trip recently where did you go which
0: oh we did a disney cruise to the bahamas
1: yeah and Who's sweet
0: my family my husband and my two kids
1: how old are your kids
0: five and three
1: and so you left California on an airplane and went. You you took a five year old and a three year old on on an air airplane. Yes. Oh, that was must have been an adventure.
0: Yeah, you know, actually, I was thinking if anybody really wants to do a pilgrimage or to really test their spiritual strength and and see how far they can go, I would invite them to actually fly with a toddler. <laughs> I think.
1: Uh, can- can you give us some insight?
0: You know, there's just, there's a lot of um, areas that you find yourself digging deep and trying to not lose it. So there's many times when I'm just dealing with a three-year-old and I'm thinking, why is this so hard for me Like to uh, to stay grounded? It's just a tiny human that I love, yet she, you know, you can feel those internal emotions churning and so... You know, you have to separate yourself from those emotions and kind of let them go constantly. It's, a, it's interesting. In fact, I was talking to my husband about, in general, I'm very calm, cool, and collected. And I can usually let things kind of roll off my back. I, I don't usually get upset easily. Yeah. But I think with kids, what it is, is they're like an extension of you in some way. And they're not doing things the way you would do it. And if that was another person, if that was you, you know, doing something that was kind of a dickhead move, <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: I could just say, oh, that guy, you know, is not my problem. <laughs> I'm just going to let that be. But your kids, you feel this weird connection, like you can't just let it go. You have to talk about it and solve it and work through it. And it's a lot of energy. So anyway, it's a good time to practice your spirituality, though, I think. At least I find it.
1: And how was the actual flight? Any drama? Any excitement?
0: Not too much, actually. Well, my son, who's five, he's perfect now. Like, he's super easy to fly with. Uh And Tess, my daughter, who's three, she did a lot better than she even did six months ago, where she did definitely gave me, like, the temper tantrum of her life. (laughs) This way, um, there's still a few moments and a few things, but nothing, you know, No one got kicked in the face or spat on. So all of that. (laughs) success.
1: You live in such a different universe than I.
0: Yeah. The bar is quite low on a successful flight.
1: Oh Well, good for you.
0: Yeah, it all went well. And and the Disney cruise was awesome. And the weather was nice and hot. And I love being hot. And the ocean was beautiful. I could live by the ocean for sure.
1: (laughs) What did you learn? What did you learn about... um... Did you learn anything from Disney from the way they do things?
0: Well, they really cater to the person or, you know, the customer in a way that makes them feel very special. So, for example, you sign in digitally now. It's all digitized and all the crew members somehow oddly know your name, like, they knew my birthday. Everybody that worked there just kept saying happy birthday to me. And I'm thinking, how do you know it's my birthday? I mean, I'm sure it's on the digital screen every time you have to, like, scan your card or whatever. But um, just little things like that. And they really keep this idea of magic, like, really palpable. Like, you know, you can, even as an adult, you kind of get sucked into all the, the fairy tale-ness that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that part. It's just pretty awesome.
1: I was listening to a comedian today, and he was at a Disney-themed hotel, and he said that uh, the staff, who are called um, they're called the cast, that work in hotels, they are in they're in character, and they're never allowed to break character. And he said it's sometimes difficult because at a hotel, he he wanted to go downstairs and he had to make a complaint, but the person behind the counter was. Um, was the 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 Lion King? And he said, oh. <laughs> "I I didn't want to complain to him because he scared me." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> he finally said, "Can I speak? Can I speak to your brother Mufasa?" <laughs> you don't want
0: Mufasa? Oh, Mufasa's the good one. Scar is the bad one. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I got that confused.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched the Lion King in a bit, but yeah. yeah, I was- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was impressed with all the workers. They do kind of stay in character, especially those princesses. Oh, my goodness.
1: Oh, I bet Tess had a field day because she does love to dress like a princess.
0: She had, I think, I was actually expecting her to freak out more and it was like she was so excited that words didn't come out of her mouth. Like her, it was as if I was meeting Brad Pitt. It was that sensation where you just, <laughs> she just
1: didn't know what
0: was happening. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious.
1: We always get a little insight into your world, even though um, you probably don't intend it, Katie. Yes, Berg. yes.
0: How are you doing?
1: I am very well and quite happy to be on the telephone with you. Thank you. And thanks yeah. for your time today. Well, thanks you... for
0: squeezing squeezing it in. I know it was a busy day. so. Oh,
1: there's nowhere I'd rather be. And tell me, what do you want to explore today in our few minutes together?
0: Well, I wanted to explore the function of our human body and really just this idea that that I'm fond of, which I've mentioned several times before, is this idea that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Uh-huh. And this, this quote, you know, makes me feel like there's that separation, like there's the soul and then there's the body and they're two different things and the way that certain people deal with the body, you know, and some some people think the body is this entity that's almost like demonized in a way, like all these desires that the body builds up. And the only way to really reach this spiritual empowerment um, is to deny the desires of the body. And then there's the other side that we are so connected to the body that the body and the mind are one and the same and, and the soul is, I don't know. So basically, I guess, if we are a human experiencing ex- a human being having a spiritual experience why did we come into earth and inhabit this human flesh body and what does it do for us is it just this human sack that we're wearing or does it serve a greater purpose to connect us to some spirituality
1: do you, do you already have a conclusion
0: no i, I have, have a to- an, an I have an idea, like intrinsically, my soul feels a certain way, but I don't have a def- definite answer, really, you know?
1: I don't know if I have an answer. So let me, I what I usually say is, hey, Katie, what do you think about that? But let me just, let me do something that you normally, that I don't normally do. And I'll just go ahead and talk. Is that yeah. okay with you? Of course, you know <laughs> you're uh, the preacher. <laughs> no, no, not, not so much anymore. Um, <clears throat> the there is a, a long time ago when Ernest Holmes um, he was a he was a notable thinker in the in the last century. He is the man who is known to have synthesized what we call the science of mind uh, or the science of mind and spirit. And somebody asked him, what do you believe? Like, if you were to give us uh, something that is like what Christians and um, Catholic Christians would call the Nicene Creed, you know, we believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Like, what do we really believe in the science of mind? And kind of like uh, J.K. Rowling writing the uh, the, the first elements of Harry Potter on a napkin. Ernest Holmes in a restaurant is known to have written a handful of lines that have kind of been immortalized and are now called what we believe. And in there is something that has has stayed in my memory and I don't know why, maybe it stayed there for today. Like like 25 years ago, this entered my mind and maybe it stayed there for this very conversation. And that is one one of his lines in what we believe is that, the the manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outpicturing of the self-contemplation of spirit. So there's God as no form and God as form, or let me say there's life as no form and life as form, or there's spirit as no form and spirit as form, although form is no form and no form is form, but that, that's kind of convoluted. Um, basically, here's how I think about it like this. I remember, I remember my mother making these um, amazing uh, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. You've had them, right? Not mm-hmm. my mother's, but you've had oatmeal chocolate chip cookies and they have a particular uh, aroma when they're baking. And I remember when my mother was baking them, the whole house smelled like them. And there was this, enormous anticipation for them to come out so we could devour them. But I've often thought in my spiritual practice of just contemplating, just pondering, I've I've often thought of life kind of being like those chocolate chip oatmeal cookies that I can think about it. Like I can ponder the process. I can ponder mixing the oatmeal and the flour and the sugar and the salt and the baking soda and the chocolate chips and the butter and the water and the milk i can ponder all that i can imagine it and i can imagine mixing it and i can imagine preheating the oven and i can imagine dolloping um, portions of cookie dough onto a cookie sheet and i can imagine opening the oven and the heat just like literally moves my hair as it races to my face And I can imagine putting the cookie sheet into the oven and I can imagine watching it as they get hot and they flatten out and expand and then contract and get a little crispy. And I can imagine the smell of it. And I can imagine the timer's gone off and I imagine opening the oven and taking out the cookie sheet and putting it on top of the stove to cool. And I can imagine um, taking a spatula and taking it off the cookie sheet. And I can imagine even breaking or bending a cookie and watching the chocolate chip gooey drip down. And I can even imagine eating it. But if I don't actually do it, it's just an idea. And there is no experience of it. So I think the physical world is how God or life or spirit, let's say life, that's how life is experienced, there is no experience, it seems to be, without physicality. Is that making any sense to you? I think so. So so if if God doesn't inhabit form, if 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 the invisible side isn't in form, then there is no sweet or salty or bitter. There is no red and yellow and blue and green. There is no sadness or sorrow or joy or happiness. There is no upset or temper tantrums or even orgasms. All of those are physical. Even the experience of love, it's, its um, I feel it in my human body. It's like my body is an, is an earth suit so that life can be experienced or else I'm just a consciousness, just a dream. And you know, um, how hard is it to hold on to your dreams? You wake up after a night of dreaming. I think J.K. Rowling, describes it so beautifully in one of her books she said trying to remember a dream right after waking up is kind of like trying to hold water into your cupped hands no matter how tightly you hold your hands the water eventually drips out and no matter how hard i try to remember a dream almost always it just literally disappears because it has no reality it's all just consciousness thought but there's no physicality attached to it conversely whenever I smell something, like um, if I smell chocolate chip oatmeal cookies or the smell, smell of frying chicken, I immediately remember my mother's presence. When I smell uh, roses or um, or orange blossoms, I'm immediately reminded of my grandmother, uh, Lulabelle, and my grandpa Jim. And so there's a physical attachment to my experience of the sweetness and even the sorrow of life, which I don't think would exist without physicality. Is is this a conversation you wanted to have, by the way?
0: Well, so many questions.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: But still doesn't quite answer. Why are we here to experience that? Like, what does it do if, if, at some point, we are all assumed to leave our body and pass on somewhere else. Then our souls exist somewhere as an energy source, right? As a part of this universal consciousness. Why, why, why did we come onto earth into this body to be able to smell those cookies or to feel these things? Like, what's the reason?
1: Does there have to be a reason to a chocolate chip cookie?
0: Well, maybe, maybe not. I guess you could just, it's just a by chance thing. You're this soul out in the universe and they say, all right, you're going to go to earth for just a brief second and smell some shit and do some shit. And then you're going to die and come back.
1: Well, (laughs) I, I, I love these questions because they cause me to they caused me to stop a little bit. So while you're speaking, I'm 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 actually thinking that I really don't know much of anything. I'm reading a book. Um, it's it's mostly fiction, but it's a Michael Crichton book, and Michael Crichton uh, has a beautiful way of peppering facts and uh, reality with his story and fantasy. And so the, the book itself was like, I don't know, 2008. So it's like 11 years old. It's called Timeline. And I'm reading it because I want to know a little bit about, um, want to know a little bit about the, uh, the, the, the high Middle Ages. I want to know a little bit about um, medieval France because I'm going to France on a, a Knights Templar pilgrimage in October. But why I'm telling you this is he's talking in this book a little bit about quantum physics and quantum foam and about not just the universe, but multiverses that exist simultaneously. And if you Google this even a little bit, you'll realize there's there's so much that we don't really know. And so in my mind, if I think that what happens is I'm on a timeline, like David is born, David becomes an adult, David gets sick, David dies, and then David goes to heaven or goes to hell, that's looking at a linear stick, like from one inch to 12 or 36 inches. But that's really not the way the universe seems to work. There are many things happening at the same time. And so while you were talking, I was just thinking there's so much I don't know. And the thought of a, an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie made me very happy. And maybe the only reason for it is simply to have the experience of joy and of love and of life itself. Like, does life have to have a purpose? I don't know.
0: I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> I just, um, I guess, it, I think that's a good point that it's not linear. And and there that's sort of the conclusion I came to in my own mind in some way is that our bodies are there to be lived, to connect with our souls and really understand it. And I think there's like receptors in our body that is deeply rooted in the connective whole. And sometimes our minds, I think, separate us or make us have this feeling of separation from that infinite millions of different ways that everything works and even though i don't think our human brains can necessarily understand it in its complexity i don't know if we are capable of it i think our bodies are somehow intuitively aligned with it so in a way without even understanding on a logical way if we are connected enough in our bodies we feel the vibrations or the way that the that life works through us and and i think we don't give our bodies enough credit in that sense i think that looking at them as a as a as a meat case that we're just walking in is doing the body not enough justice because i think i feel so much through my body that i just know is part of this greater story that like you said, I have no clue about. I'm very aware that I don't quite understand it, yet I'm so a part of it, if that makes sense. Did that make sense?
1: Totally. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you or your childhood and how um, my suspicion is that you're, as, as a woman, um, Your your take on the physical body would be distinct from mine. But I know in the, 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 the culture where I was raised in Southern California, in, in a Catholic, mostly Latino, barrio kind of community, um, the body was kind of vilified, like it was nasty, like don't talk about it, um, try to avoid its nasty tendencies. And, and nobody even told me this, by the way. I actually learned by what people were not saying, that there are things you should never talk about. And so spirituality has often been separated from physicality. But I have this experience that I'm a very organic being. And then my body, my body's not like a cup that's filled with water, you know, like like a shell that's filled with a soul. I, I have the experience lately that my body is like my soul solidified.
0: Yeah, that's a nice way to put it.
1: So I could I could imagine sand scattered on my kitchen counter right now, so, and I could probably scatter it or smear it such that it looks very flat and almost invisible. But I could also take my hands and pull it all together and have like a pile of it. So now this like solidified, but it's really not solid, but it looks solid. Hmm. So I have this experience that my 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 body is not not like 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 um. Like like a, like filling that's in a pie. Like my body's not the pie crust and my soul is the filling. I have this experience that my body is my soul solidified. So, but people say, well, well,, I'm sorry, let me not jump there. And what occurs for me is oftentimes the thoughts that I have, are not necessarily in, li- in alignment with what I want for the world to be, what I want for myself, what I want for people around me. A lot that's going on are just stories that I tell myself so often that they kind of become real, and then my body responds like it is real, and then I almost make it real by default. Mm-hmm. Why, this is why meditation is so valuable f- for me, because I have a chance to slow down my thinking. Because when I slow down, I'm, I'm not quite so reckless as I am when I'm in a hurry. And I know that my thinking can go very fast and I can get reckless with it. And by reckless with my thinking, I mean, I start pondering that the world is a bad place. I start pondering fear about, I don't know, getting old or getting sick or somebody around me getting old or getting sick. And then I start experiencing fear inside my body, but I'm not so sure that's what I wanna do. So anyway. Do you think what? when
0: you talk about thoughts, do you consider that part of the body?
1: I think they are inseparable. And I think they're inseparable in such a way that I, I really can't fathom it. So in when, his, we,
0: when we die and our bodies go, are we still having thoughts? Well. Do you think?
1: <laughs> I have a theory. And my theory is very similar to the one that is espoused in Science of Mind. Not exactly, but close. That that um consciousness never dies. But because How do we you are
0: define consciousness.
1: Oh it's the part that knows you I don't you know what consciousness is, Katie. Uh, well I if was you... thinking
0: about that. I wasn't it's this self-awareness, right? That you're a being
1: it's the like... sum it's the sum total of everything that you are. For me it's not so much what I want or what I hope what I'm expecting really is the level of my consciousness. If I have the experience that life is good and good things happen, even though I have moments of uh, upset or moments of um, bad luck, let's say, my consciousness um, is the sum total of the way I move through the world with some kind of expectancy. Like I expect goodness, I expect things to work out, I expect that um, I'm gonna run into people in a sweet way. I expect that everybody is gonna be kind to me with few exceptions. I expect that those exceptions are going to be out of my life very soon. Or on the other hand, there are people who just constantly expect bad things to happen. Consciousness, I, I think, is the filter through which I see the world. So there are those who see the world as an evil, awful, dark, dangerous place. There are those who see the world as a stopping place. Like you're here to get something right. And when you get it right, then you can uh, ascend. I, I don't think consciousness is just thinking. I actually think our thinking comes out of our consciousness.
0: I agree. Do you think then that you create your own afterlife? And so if you have a consciousness that is in a negative, everything is horrible, that, that, could potentially guide you into that belief after you die?
1: You know, I don't really know. That's a very good question. Two things are up for me right now while you're speaking. One of them is a book by Alan Watts. He was a professor at Berkeley back in the 60s, I think. And I may be incorrect, but I think he was a British British origin. Alan Watts in his book, The Taboo, wait, The Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. The Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. He describes infinity, and when I'm when I'm thinking about infinity, I'm thinking, no, let's let's use the word God or spirit. Um, we're taught that it's infinite, but according to Watts, if something is infinite, that means it must be it must be without limit. It literally doesn't have a boundary or a border. So this infinite being can't can't be everywhere and be all powerful and all knowing, and then stop being that when it reaches my skin stops, it stops being that when it reaches the tip of my nose. Infinity has to be equally present everywhere. It's not like he says peanut butter smeared on a toast. It's thicker on one side and thinner on the other. Well, the same must be true for us as beings um, and I had this experience with my sister Peggy who passed away, with my father who's passed away, and now with my mother who's passed away. I have the experience that they are at this moment here with me and not here with me. They are here everywhere, nowhere at the same time. And in some of my reading, and I don't remember now from which, because if I remembered, I'd turn you on to it, so forgive me. But somewhere in there is, is my acceptance that none of us ever dies and none of us was ever really born. And though I appear right now to be in my dining area, kitchen, living room area in my condo in San Jose, California, and it appears that I'm talking to you on a telephone, the fact is I am right where you are and you are right where I am and neither of us is in any any of those places at the same time, but my mind will not accept that wow, that sounded so wacky.
0: <laughs> like, hmm. no, I um, I mean, that's where I was getting lost as I was talking to people about this topic. I mean, I'm trying not to, I mean, obviously nobody really knows, but you do go off of like feeling and what makes sense. And when you were talking earlier about not just being a cup that holds, you know, a soul of milk, that's a container rather life is worked through you and is an integral part of you. I had this feeling of understanding that while we're in this body, we have the opportunity to feel life. And when we leave the body, we're not, we are no longer perceiving the life. We are the life that maybe other earth suits perceive. And thus you are everywhere again, but you for a limited time are the the, the force that feels it until you leave it again. Now I sound wacky, but.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask a question with your, with your declaration there. Do we actually leave the body?
0: I don't think so. I think that in the body we are placed in a position, like, like you said, that fluid substance that's like receiving information, but limited information, like that's allowing you to see Spots of life and really understand it, maybe. Like, you know, you, you can only touch the certain spot of sand at the beach, but while you're touching that sand, you're getting the sensation of being part of the greater universe. And then when that suit of skin leaves you and you are left again as, as the soul, you become all the sand again. You just as you were in the bodysuit, but the bodysuit, I feel like, allows you to hone in on maybe little bits of it that you're still very a part of and when I imagine leaving this bodysuit, how I have achieved in in certain points or points of meditation is that feeling where I do forget I have a body and that this peace like prevails over like everything and it feels as if I have melted into the universe and there is no form but yet I'm part of everything and in those special moments that I could achieve in meditation is really what makes me feel like we get a glimpse in our body but but it's a glimpse of of the potential or of 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 the real realness of what we really are which like you said is in everything.
1: I had some um I think I talked to you about uh, did we talk about um Lisa Ferraro and Erica Luckett
0: yes well I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but
1: we 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 may want to we may want to do that sometime because there was the two of them as Erica was about to pass and transition um, when she was about to cross over uh, to the other side when she was about to die. Uh, Erica and and um, Lisa they they started practicing how they would communicate without their body so that the one who was left behind, Lisa, could still communicate with Erica on the other side. We should talk about that at another day, shall we?
0: Yes. It would be, yeah, it would be interesting in, in alignment with this topic. And I also wanted to have a podcast about meditation too. Um, Ooh, make a podcast. list. Yes. I also wanted to mention the quote that I found. Tell me. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher the the man's name, the, the monk, but he says, your body is your first home. Breathing in, I arrive in my body. Breathing out, I am home. And I like
1: that Tick Not Hun?
0: Yes. I'm glad you said it. How do you say it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna say it again because I'm probably gonna say it wrong. (laughs) Tick Not Hun. I believe that's how it's said here in California, Tick Not Hun.
0: Yeah, I just like that. And it kind of goes in alignment with what we're talking about right now, uh, I thought. So we could end with that quote.
1: Okay, my dear Katie. Well, welcome back from Disneyland, not Disneyland, but Disney Cruise. Welcome back to California. Thank you for the generosity of your time. It's been very good to be with you today.
0: Likewise, and safe travels tomorrow.
1: Thank you, and everybody listening, thank you very much for spending your time with us. I would love to hear what you think. What happens, uh, what is this all about? Let us know.
0: Exactly. Tell us. Bye. Bye.